of health. So that's where I was like leaning in and listening. So to bring up the colonel was a real no, surprise. Just a stupid KFC joke. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week, we are going to be talking about mummies, primarily in pop culture, but we also have a little bit of real life stuff to complement our mummies episode from the past. That's right. This is one of the rare times that we are re-covering a topic that we've already done. Mm -hmm. You may have seen it on your feeds earlier this week. We did what we call a Guide to the Unknown Rewind. Truly just sort of dusting off, we're archaeologists of a sort, Yes, dusting off uh, an older recording uh, to bring it back into the light to set the table for this very episode. So in the show that we did way, way, way back in 2018, episode 24 of this show, we talked a lot about the real life mummy stuff. The fact that like people could use mummy dust in paint, uh, (laughs) the original curse of the pharaohs, a lot of that stuff. I have a little more about uh, how you make mummies and things like that this week, but we're going to dig into mummy media. The mummy now uh, not as this sort of like uh, uh, historical uh, way of preparing the dead and more of the movie monster that mummies have been turned into. That's right. And we landed on this topic because Katie from our Patreon page suggested it to us during our live stream where we workshopped ideas for shows for the next month. And we had such a good time that we're going to be doing that every single month now on the first Sunday of the month. So if you go to patreon.com slash gt2upod, you can get in on that, but also lots of stuff that has already been part of the deal over there. We do monthly bonus episodes that show up in your podcast app. We do weekly previews for the episodes over there. We drop little videos and audio here and there just for the fun of it. So if you go to patreon.com slash pod and you sign up at the Netherworld Warrior level for $4 or more per month, then you get access to all of that stuff. And now the live stream thing, which yielded this week's episode. Yeah, it's super fun. And, uh, hey, it gave us an opportunity to talk about an old monster again. The Mummy Returns! It returns! Happy Mummies Day, y'all. This is also our Mother's Day episode. Shout out to all the mummies. Uh, Here's looking at you, mum. That's right. Also, we want to give credit where it's due. Tying the Mummy episode to Mother's Day was suggested to us by Mary Rose, who was in that Patreon live stream. So all the genius of that goes to Mary Rose. Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah, it was super fun. That was a really, really fun stream to do. Also, if you do that sort of thing, if you dig into our Patreon, you can watch that live stream. Now it's archived up there. It'll give you something of a preview for this month on Guide to the Unknown. Yeah, they know everything that's to come over there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, This is a show that we do every week. Kristen and I are a sibling duo. We cover monsters. We cover pop culture. We always have a good time. This is a comedy horror show, a little spooky party that hits all of your podcast apps every Friday. There's a video version that you can watch on youtube.com slash talkbomb or the traditional audio version out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. Follow at GTTUpod on all social media to keep up with every new uh, release of an episode. And uh, yeah, why don't we dive right into it? Yeah, William, hit us with some mummy facts. All right, cool. So hey, I don't know if people listened back to the episode that we did in 2018, but like as much stuff as I shared about mummies there, I kind of didn't bring it to the bare essentials. I didn't really fully answer the question, what is a mummy? Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think at the time, I probably assumed that a lot of people have or were coming to the podcast with some knowledge already, but especially given some of the research that I did for this week, I ended up coming back to the question, hey, what, what is 
a mummy. I know that you're going to talk about this a little bit later, but Brendan Fraser eventually fought a mummy in China. And listen. What brought us there? Also, it's Fraser. Fraser? Is that right? Yes, it's Fraser. Ryan and I got into a back and forth about this yesterday, so I looked it up, and it is Fraser. Oh, man. I thought I'd heard it phrased the other way. I think it has been, and it's a thing. I found a YouTube clip of him on some talk show, I don't know what, being like, Brendan Fraser, not Fraser. I will kick Mm. your ass if you say it Fraser. And so I presented that as evidence to my husband, and it was put to rest. Why is he so mad about Frasier? It was a joke. He seemed very that nice. That shows dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I, uh, I I started to realize that the the mummy that I'm most familiar with, I think the mummy that most of us are, are commonly familiar with, is the ancient Egyptian mummy, right? In a tomb at the base of a pyramid, um, you know, there's a curse of the pharaohs thing going on. If you open the tomb... You know, locusts are going to attack you or, or something like that. But no, mummies are from all over the place. And I learned a lot about just what the hell a mummy really is. So uh, Wikipedia describes a mummy as a dead human or animal whose skin and organs have been preserved either by intentional or accidental exposure to chemicals, extreme cold, ext- uh, very low humidity, or lack of air, so that the recovered body does not decay further if kept in cool and dry conditions. All of this really boils down to the following. There are intentional mummies that have been placed in tombs and wrapped in cloth and the body has been preserved by people who are trying to preserve that body Mm -hmm. for a purpose. And there are accidental mummies. Accidental mummies all over the place. Straight up, there are accidental mummies on every single continent uh, throughout the entirety of recorded human history. Uh, How is this happening? I, it's crazy, but like, you know, uh, uh, so I've got like a bunch of examples of like real life mummies, some of which have been found in our old pal, the bog. <laughs> you and I are big fans of the bog. Huge bog fans. Absolutely. Evidently, some of the the, the chemicals or the conditions of a body being uh, uh, completely uh, uh, submerged in a bog means that the body is kind of kept away from all other elements. And so the body dries out in there, uh, and it is preserved, albeit dead, uh, and some of them are preserved pretty well. Some of them, some mummies occur in really dry, arid places. The oldest known North American mummy is from over 9,000 years ago, found in what's called the Spirit Cave in Nevada. So it's just a, a body that's out there that has truly just been dried out, just a dried out dead person. That's what a mummy is. So I got a question about these bog mummies. Are we Mm -hmm. mostly talking animals or are there many humans who are ending up in bogs and dying? If so, what are the circumstances? I don't expect you to have all of the answers to this, by the way, but this is what sprung to mind. First of all, if you know this show, you should expect me to have none of the answers. That's why I prefaced it by saying... But I think that uh, your, yours and my research has uh, uh, can answer that question for us. It is, of course, the work of a will-o'-the-wisp. Mm. Yeah. Of People course. go out there chasing that will-o'-the-wisp. A little dot of light in the distance. You chase it, but it never comes closer. You trip. You end up a bog mummy. You're in a bog, baby. Mm-hmm. You're about to be mummy fresh yeah. for the rest of time. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't really know how the actual mummification process happens in well, the bog itself. <laughs> No, just the circumstances of people ending up in the bog was my question. I was wondering if maybe the mummification thing that they're talking about is like, yeah, we found lots of like mummified ducks. 
Oh, whatever. I'm sure that's true too. I mean, mummies are also animals. Like animals get mummified, right? Right. Quite commonly. So probably it's probably a mixture of all of, all of those things. Boy. Um. So yeah, it seems like there's a lot of debate about when to appropriately use the term mummy. There are some people who say that uh, the the term should only be used in the case of somebody being intentionally mummified rather than bodies found that have been preserved by the elements themselves. Um, the terms for these things, by the way, the intentional mummification process, the one that we're most familiar with and the one that we're going to talk most about in this episode, are called anthropogenic mummies versus spontaneous mummies, mm. meaning spontaneous, it just sort of happened naturally. Yeah, like natural. Though spontaneous also implies that, like, you flick a switch and somebody's body is like, you know, all the moisture is pulled out of it and and they're just turned into a mummy. I think we often associate spontaneous with fast, but it can also just be kind of like random. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Who's the mummy now? Yeah. See ya. Made that joke on that episode back then. Exactly. So let's talk about, like, how mummies are, are made if they're the anthropogenic type, the intentionally made Mummy. Okay. We're going to start with the big guns. We're going to start with Egypt. So uh, mummification in ancient Egypt reaches back almost 3,000 years. They saw the preservation of the body after death as an important step to living well in the afterlife. It became a status thing, mm-hmm. hence all the tombs, hence the fact that it's all like pharaohs and stuff with those tombs. It was literally a thing that like the wealthy would get to to have. And so, yeah, you'd be buried with all your, your you know, earthly materials because you definitely need those in the afterlife. You right. can take it with you. I um, love that. I think it's so cool. I think it's straight up rad. And I do want it stated, this is now a historical document, this, this episode of Guide to the Unknown. If and when I die, because we're still not sure if it'll ever happen. We'll see. I would like to be buried with all of my, you know, video game oh saves. Oh, my God. You know, um, I've saved Hyrule countless times. Th- those things need to be with me. We're just going to have to board up your house with you in it because there's no way that there's enough real estate in any cemetery anywhere to contain all of your copies of Scream. Uh, wait, 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 wait. There's no the... room? No. My house has more room to it than any cemetery? <laughs> yes. They, okay. It can't contain... You're going to... William, you're going to want to take with you all your crap. Yeah. All your different versions of Halloween across mediums, DVD, Blu-ray, commentary, no commentary, Correct. they're not going to take you anywhere. So we're just going to have to turn the house into a mausoleum where people want to see them. And all I am. I'm very game to turn this house into a Will Rogers museum. <laughs> oh, but then you, it has to just say, it just has to, the placard out front has to say, Will Rogers not the cowboy. Yeah, right. So I don't know. People, as time goes on, I feel like fewer and fewer people are going to know about the cowboy. I don't know. It's hard to Google me. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, uh, evidently, uh, one of the ways that they would accomplish mummification um like the, the real rules, I should say, have been completely lost to time. There are some smattered writings about how they accomplished this, like literally writings from thousands and thousands of years ago that documented the process. Mm-hmm. Most of that stuff is lost. So we've just had to sort of piece together from looking at mummies how it was probably done. Um, there are the writings of Herodotus that sort of refer to a few things, and that seems to be like where we've gotten the, that notion that I think we're all familiar with of hook up the nose to pull out the brain. Mm-hmm through your nose. I think we all heard that as kids and we're like, ah, oh my Ew. God. Evidently that's not true. 
Are you ready to have your mind blown? They didn't do that. They didn't do that at all. There was no iron hook that they shoved up your nose to yank your brain out. Huh. Totally different. They used a different kind of stick. It wasn't iron. Oh. And then they'd wiggle it around up there until your brain turned to liquid. And then they'd just sort of prop you up and your brain would drip out your nose. Oh my God. That is so gruesome. It was literally the pull of gravity. Yeah, right. That just let your brain ooze out of your face. Yeah, kind of a, a more extreme neti pot situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. A neti pot you don't want. No. No, no, no. Um, so the biggest of all steps in the process is to halt decomposition. Somebody died. We got to make sure that they do not decompose. So they would remove all the organs. They'd wash out the body with a mixture of spices and palm wine. Hmm. Now. Sounds nice. I, I don't know that this is true, but. There is a, a sort of legendary story about 11 herbs and spices that nobody knows the recipe for, and I bet it was <laughs> oh that. Oh, my God. Well. I have to bet it was that. <laughs> now, they did leave. I the- thought, it's not 11 anyway, but there's like, <laughs> I was thinking of the fact that there's like a blend of essential oils, commonly known as thieves oil, that people say that um, like thieves and looters used under their noses and stuff during the plague so that they could rob bodies without getting sick. Ooh. And I, I don't know why I thought you were going to say that like, oh, I wonder if it was the same kind of thing because it was like, you know, a cleaning <laughs> agent. It's supposed to preserve health. So that's where I was like leaning in and listening. So to bring up the colonel was a real no, surprise Just a stupid me. KFC joke. <laughs> no, there was no information there to be found. Don't get it wrong. <laughs> I had nothing of value to say. I liked um, it. I value laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, they left the heart in place because the heart was felt to be the seat of thought and feeling. So it would be needed in the afterlife. Mm. So brain liquefied, but the heart holds on to all your feelings and thoughts. Interesting. It's just kind of fun. It's just like another time. It's just, you know, it's a belief. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that there, if I... I could be totally wrong. I think that they have found that it's not like the heart has processes like the brain, but there are chemicals and things that we associate with the brain that are actually also manufactured or run through the heart and the stomach. Like I think serotonin might also have something going on in those. So maybe they weren't completely wrong. That's interesting. It's ironic, too, because I dated serotonin in high school. Oh, she didn't my have a heart. God. Oh, my God. She was completely oh heartless. Oh, my God. How many people well, guess just what? unsubscribed? I, I dated a guy. Oh, get, what? I dated a guy named Dopey Mean, and he oh. was no fun. Uh, oh. Dopamine? Yeah, no, I. Oh, I got it. Did you think I didn't get it? <laughs> Was that the problem you thought I had that I didn't understand? Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> anyway, the whole process here took 40 days, evidently. Yeah, just uh, like then, this episode is taking. It's true. <laughs> I'll stop worry. talking. We'll, we'll be talking about Tom Cruise before you know it. Uh, that's when they would start to add the cloth bandages, which weren't just, you know, clean cloth. They were dipped in a sort of gum that worked as a waterproofing agent, and it was also antimicrobial, which is very interesting. It was all to keep the body sort of like clean and away from the elements from this point. It's all about preservation. Um, But ancient Egypt, not the only place with mummies. So I wanted to look up like, what are the other mummies around the world? Because there are, you know, uh, ways of preparing the dead or um, preserving the dead um, outside of ancient Egypt, but I I didn't really know them. Mm -hmm. So, 
here are a few that are just kind of interesting. Really only a couple. Uh, there are the Aztec mummies. These mummies were wrapped in a bag and adorned with a ceremonial mask. Rather than uh, like lying down, they were posed to sort of be sitting. Almost like crouch, almost like knees to your chest, kind of mm-hmm. just like sitting on the ground. Um, sometimes they had to be tied with rope to keep them in that position, um, which uh, the only thing that this made me think of, and it, it made me realize what a missed opportunity this might have been, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. The fourth Indiana Jones movie that so many people, the common joke is, what? There was no fourth movie. Uh, I kind of like that movie. I, I got to tell you. It's not, it's not the best of the four. It's so fun. But it's fun. It's got some I, I cool like stuff Indiana in it. Jones. It's got some very cool stuff. One of the cool things here is that uh, they're tracking down, um, oh my God, I forget, I forget the actual person they're trying to track down, but they eventually find his mummified body. And it is in this style. And I could not have told you that it was in the Aztec mummy style. But in the movie, he's crouched sitting, he's wrapped in a bag, and there's a gold mask on his face. That's cool. Indiana Jones made a big archaeological faux pas by not being like, oh, yeah, the ancient, the ancient Aztecs always buried their dead this way because of this. Like, I would have loved to have heard a real life, you know, purpose for that design. I wonder um, if that was intentional. Like, they wanted it to be a cool Easter egg. It definitely was. It, it had to have been. It's yeah. too, too much to be a coincidence. Yeah. Um, that's but, really like, cool. I, I feel like that's a lot of yeah. restraint not to comment on it, to do something like that and not say anything about it. Yeah. Those movies are to a certain extent about history. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes they're not at all. Sometimes they're about like sort of like desecrating history. Sure. As much as it belongs in a museum. Yeah. Right. But like, you know, I, that would have been a fun nugget to hear, you know, Professor Jones uh, talk about. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? And I'm sorry. I will stop talking about psych in every episode soon. I feel like it's become our new Harry Potter. Yeah. But I'm going through the psych episodes that I talked about a couple of Guides the Unknown episodes ago and the horror parodies thing. And I just watched the Friday the 13th episode of Psych. And there was a Robert the Doll thing in it. They didn't, oh, they didn't that's cool. say it, but this doll looked just like Robert the Doll. And I was like, see, they're like real nerds working on this show. And I can't believe they yeah. didn't say something about the doll. And I thought it was kind of cool and fun. And the Indiana Jones thing reminds me of that. Yeah, I love that. I, lo- I love it when there's just something there and you know, mm-hmm. or you eventually find out. Like, like I oh, see this you, I know, was. you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool, too. In Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, he pulls the ceremonial mask off the body. So you see the dried out mummified face of this other explorer. But now that it's been exposed to the air for the first time in probably like a, a few hundred years, the skin like immediately like hollows out and mm-hmm. sinks and crusts away a little bit. It's so it's gross. In like that a souffle fun, like, falling. Sh- yeah, kind of. It's fun in that like gross out Indiana Jones way. Yeah. There's so much better stuff in that movie than people give it credit for. Oh, and totally. then yes, Shia LaBeouf has the same haircut as a monkey later and we all have to live with that. Right. Exactly. But we, but also there was a cool mummy and I liked it. Yeah. Totally. So leave me alone. <laughs> um, in Chile, there are the Chinchoro mummies. Um, they're believed to have been uh, made around 5000 BC. Uh, the, they were elaborately prepared by removing the internal organs and replacing them with vegetable fibers or animal hair. Hmm. Um, in some cases, an embalmer would remove the skin and flesh from the body entirely and replace them with clay. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's... So almost, intricate yeah. you know like i feel it's like very it, intricate 
at some point, like how much is of an actual body is left? You know, know. it sounds it's, like it's just bones that are kind of built out with other stuff. I totally agree. It's almost that sort of like notion of if you replaced every individual part of the Eiffel Tower, is that even the Eiffel Tower? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's just a totally new building. Yeah, but I guess the bones are there. I don't know. Right. Uh, paging Dr. Tanzler. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Um, okay, let's talk about some cool mummies. Um, I already told you about the Spirit Cave mummy, the oldest known mummy found in North America from uh, 9,000 years ago, which is insane. Um, this mummy was found by a married pair of archaeologists, Sidney and George Wheeler. They, they found this mummy in Nevada because they were actually, they were working for the State Parks Commission and they were surveying archaeological sites to make sure that we wouldn't lose them due to all the guano mining that was going on. Why are people mining guano? What do you don't, use that for? Oh, don't pretend you haven't been doing it. You're an amateur guano miner. I know it. Stepped right in there. Oh, he's been stepping in it all these years. <laughs> Secretly behind the scenes. Uh, there was a body found in China in the 1970s, Xin Zui, known as Lady Dai, D-A-I. She was buried with uh, two other bodies which were not mummified. No one knows why her body was so well preserved. That's awesome. No one know- Well, at least Wikipedia doesn't know. And now we don't know. Yeah. But her body was mummified, super well preserved in the same site where other bodies did not undergo that process. So why? She was so well preserved, they were able to do an autopsy. What? Yeah, I so wonder crazy. if she biologically had something going on that just inherently to her, like how Ozzy Osbourne is like extremely resilient. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Biologically? Weird. Kristen, we may never know. I guess we probably, uh, honestly, I don't think we will. Yeah, there's the Harold Skier woman who was uh, discovered in a bog in Jutland in 1835. She was erroneously identified as an early medieval Danish queen, and for that reason, she was placed in a royal sarcophagus at the St. Nikolai Church, where she currently remains, but she was not. (laughs) So she just got... (laughs) That's a freebie. (laughs) Bog woman gets free royal burial. (laughs) That's awesome. It must suck, though, to, like get a fluky royal treatment but you're dead yeah well why because i, w- I would want to enjoy the spoils of that in life like if this was going to happen to her wouldn't it have been nice for that to happen in life well listen what are you going to complain about when it happens it happened at least you got something cool they probably put a nice crown on her i guess but she didn't really get to enjoy it mm-hmm. you know i guess she was a ghost i guess she got the satisfaction yeah, exactly. She probably did. Yeah, I'm sure she, she, I'm sure yeah, she, she did. She probably did. Yeah. Not going to dwell too much on it because I did talk about it in the uh, other episode, which was really re-released on the feed this past Monday. Uh, King Tut. Mm-hmm. Funky discovered Tut. Discovered Funky Tut uh, buried with a donkey. Right, right. He's my favorite honky. Um, this was the one that took the world by storm. This is the real mummy discovery that, you know, uh, changed all the headlines, got all the attention. It was in 1922. Um, Just to also uh, briefly elaborate, this is where the sort of big hoopla about the curse of the pharaohs really uh, came to a head. Um, But a study showed that of the 58 people who were present when the tomb and sarcophagi were opened, only eight died within the next, like, dozen years. Um, It's primarily the fact that one of them, Lord... Carnarvon, 
died six weeks after opening the tomb and it sort of was off to the races so Mm -hmm. let's get to pop culture because this is where the handoff from real life to fiction really sort of happens in 1932 10 years past king tut um it turns out that the son of the guy that founded universal studios one carl lamell jr wanted to make a mummy horror film dracula and frankenstein had been doing very very well Those movies are also based on books. So he charged people with finding a sort of literary origin or a a literary story that they could base a mummy horror film on. And it became something of an adventure. There were mummy stories to be sure, but a lot of early mummy stories were kind of romance novels Mm -hmm. in a weird way. Um, uh, And then, (laughs) all right, they started writing the movie under the title Cagliostro. Mm -hmm. Cagliostro was the alias of an occultist, a real-life occultist named Giuseppe Balsamo in the (laughs) 1700s, which is dangerously close to a pretend magician I came up with named Pastramo. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Too close for comfort. Dangerously close, living on a razor's edge with the difference there, Balsamo to Pastramo. Yeah, we hired Pastramo for my kid's birthday party. He was terrible. (laughs) Anyway, he was a psychic healer, an alchemist, and he did scrying. Beyond his death, a writer named Thomas Carlyle referenced him as the quack of quacks. So they wanted to take this sort of 1700s uh, occultist and make him the focal point of a mummy horror story, which would have been about a 3,000-year-old magician who's been keeping himself alive by injecting himself with uh, nitrates, they said. That's cool. that's Cagliostro. Then, Carl Lamell Jr., son of the guy that founded Universal Studios, presumably Carl Lamell Sr. <laughs> <laughs> presumably. One would think. Maybe he was a junior <laughs> of the grandpa. Maybe it skipped a generation. Junior of grandpa? Yeah. <laughs> Now, that's a good title for a movie. Now, that's a horror movie. <laughs> Junior I think of Grandpa. Got something. <laughs> Grandpa Junior. Evil skips Ooh. a generation. Oh, Kristen, you did it. You did it. I was okay. You got it. Maybe we have two franchises. Maybe this is the Scream Scary movie. Uh, so we've got, uh, what was it? What we just say? Junior of Grandpa? Junior of Grandpa. Evil skips a generation. Right. And then I want to make a parody called Grandpa Junior about ah. a, a grandpa that turns into a baby. Yes. I think we've talked about this before, weirdly. A grandpa who talk, turns into a baby. And then I want to make a movie called Senior Baby. <laughs> Senior Baby. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that after. We'll, we'll Off work mic. out. We'll work out the next slate of the uh, GTTUCU, the Guide to the Unknown Cinematic Universe. Phase one starts soon. Um, anyway. <laughs> it begins with Grandpa Junior. Wait, Grandpa. It starts with Junior of Grandpa. That's what it was. Okay. And then we'll be parodied by Grandpa Junior. Mm-hmm. And then just a, a another movie called Senior Baby. Senior Baby. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, Carl Lamell Jr. then hired the writer John L. Balderstone, who worked on Dracula and Frankenstein, to write the script. 
John L. Balderson had also covered the opening of King Tut's tomb for the newspapers, so he was completely familiar with that story. He ended up taking the story of a 3,000-year-old magician named Cagliostro, moved it over to Egypt, renamed the main character Imhotep after an actual real-life ancient Egyptian architect um, who... According to ancient Egyptian writing, his name meant the one who comes in peace, which is kind of ironic yeah. to turn him into a villain. Yeah. Um, and then added the Scroll of Toth, which was uh, uh, invented because Toth might have been the actual real-life ancient Egyptian wise god who authored the Book of the Dead. The title of the movie was switched from Cagliostro to The Mummy. And boom, the rest is kind of history. The movie did really well. It had Boris Karloff playing Imhotep himself. I just watched this movie. Ali and I uh, finally cracked open that Universal Monsters complete collection Blu-ray set oh, that cool. I've got. So we watched the original 1932 Mummy movie, and it's super fun. The best thing about it by far is Boris Karloff and all of the the makeup effects. Mm -hmm. The story itself sees Imhotep... Um, uh, Oddly enough, he's woken up, and then 10 years go by. They fast forward a decade, and Imhotep has now, is now um, living under the name Ardith Bay, and he's pretending to be a sort of historian. Um, but really what he's doing is he's trying to find the tomb of his uh, old lover, Anxanamen, uh, to bring her back to life. And he ends up finding a living woman who may be the descendant of Anxanamen, who he's going to kill and then turn into a mummy to live eternally with him. Okay. Um, it's super fun. The best thing about it is that the second it opens, bam, there's people reading from the scroll of Toth, the book of the dead, essentially. And there is a character who reads, you know, the incantation, which wakes up the mummy. The mummy steals the, the scroll away from him. So this guy ends up seeing the mummy and his reaction Made me think of Ash from Evil Dead. He sees the mummy and you can watch his sanity snap. He starts cackling maniacally. He just starts laughing. He goes insane in that moment, seeing the mummy. Uh, the other members of the team come over and they're like, what happened? What happened to the body? And he goes, he went for a little walk. And he's laughing. And oh, it was it was such a great introduction. They that immediately establish it was it was fun. It was very fun. It also was a movie from 1932, and there, you know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But it's more of it's definitely more of a uh, of a historical piece than a movie that I would really uh like watch for the pure entertainment in and of itself. It's impossible not to view it as like, you know, the grandfather of horror movies in sure. a way. But I really enjoyed myself. Either way, they set up Imhotep as having not been properly mummified. He's still uh, he, his organs were not removed. He was uh, the the inside coffin writings scratch out any reference to the afterlife. So he's cursed for all time, which is very oh. fun, and later comes back in a future mummy movie. Mm -hmm. um, very, 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 very briefly, they then made a bunch of other movies. They made the Mummy's Hand. Bam! New Mummy. Who dis? <laughs> Goodbye, Imhotep. Eight years have gone by. Boris Karloff is not here. Um, Imhotep's been replaced by the mummy Karis. Karis no longer loves Anxanamen. Karis loves Ananka. Gigantic difference. Um, they add a giant new MacGuffin to all of this. Now he's been keeping himself alive through the use of Tana leaves. Oh. Which made me think of Tannis root yeah. from Rosemary's Baby. Mm. But uh, yeah, so you have to brew the tana leaves to keep yourself alive. It ended up using some of the footage from the original Mummy movie. So Boris, Boris Karloff is, is in this movie uncredited. It's very weird. It almost plays like they just wanted to make more but couldn't get Boris to play ball. Yeah, right. Like Crispin I don't know if he was Glover alive, in uh, Back to the Future 2 and 3. 
Yes, exactly like Crispin Glover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, then they made The Mummy's Tomb in 1942. This is sort of the start of a Lon Chaney trilogy. Lon Chaney Jr. took over the role of Karis. Uh, it's now 30 years after the previous movie. We're in Massachusetts. Uh, Karis is revived, then later burned to death. He's avenging Ananka's uh, tomb having been desecrated. Then we get the mummy's ghost in 44. He sinks into a swamp, and I instantly just start thinking of this mummy, Karis, who every movie is defeated and then comes back and is now in a swamp. I just start thinking about him as Jason Voorhees. Mm. Karis to me now, artificially kept alive through Tana uh, leaves, Almost like how Jason was sort of later on said to be being kept alive by the um, the Necronomicon. Mm-hmm. They just start to feel the same to me. Is the mummy the sort of old horror proxy for Jason? Hmm. It kind of feels like it, you know? It, there are definitely some similarities, it seems like. Yeah. Um, the real sort of franchise ended in 44 with the mummy's curse. Uh, they drain the swamp, mummy back, building falls on him, he's gone. Um, there was Abbott and Costello meet the mummy. They changed the name again. I, I don't know why, but now he's not Karis. He's Claris. Um, Maybe they thought that was funny. I, or they couldn't get the rights for yeah. some reason to Karis. I, I have no idea. Um, but, uh, really sort of, there you go. That's like the original, like real life mummy stuff to the original universal, uh, movie monsters. Um, and then it sort of goes away for a while. In the 50s, Hammer Horror brought the mummy back for a while with Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like in the 50s, this is another big blank spot in my horror knowledge, but I'm aware of the the Hammer Horror films as bringing back the original Universal Monsters. I'm um, not. I don't know about that. Oh, really? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, big At deal. At least not British off the top films. of my head. Yeah, for sure. And uh, they remixed elements of not the original Imhotep mummy movie, but the Karis mummy movies. It's all about Karis and Ananka and avenging the people who desecrated her tomb. So it really is sort of like the way that we would consider a conventional reboot to be. Yeah. Um, replaying certain elements, remixing some of them. Huh, interesting. But yeah, that's the straight up origin of horror mummy. All right, great. Well, it seems like the next time that mummies popped up in pop culture was in the 1999 to 2008 mummy movies starring Brendan Fraser. Um, I also want to mention mummies have been kind of hot recently because there's a meme going around about the fact that coronavirus hit in 2020 and last year. I'm just going to read the meme. It says, hey, remember like last summer when we found that mummy in the black sarcophagus that was never supposed to be open and Egypt's director of antiquities was like, well, we opened it and the world hasn't fallen into darkness yet. Anyway, I'm sure it's fine. Straight up murder hornets now. Doesn't it feel like the plague of the pharaohs or something? Yes, it totally does. So I feel like mummies are kind of floating around in the zeitgeist somewhat, even besides Mother's Day. I feel like they're going to grab my neck like the swiftness of a bird or whatever the pharaoh's curse was. You know what I'm talking about? This is in the other episode. I do. I don't remember the, the quote, though. But as far as movies go, in 1999... Stuff hits the scene. So there are the Brendan Fraser movies that you might know about. The Mummy and The Mummy Returns were the big ones. And those came out back to back, um, directed by Stephen Summers. And then The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, came out seven years later. And Brendan Mm -hmm. Fraser was still on board. But now there was a new director, even though Stephen Summers was a producer. And there were all new side characters. Brendan Fraser was like the only on-screen person who stuck around, it seemed like. And all the action moved to China. Now, I didn't watch that. William, you did recently, right? Sure did. I watched it on Sunday. 
It didn't go well. No, I, I wouldn't think. It didn't go well. It took me like seven hours to watch. So I watched the original Mummy. I had to take a break. I could not focus on this thing for the life of me. I found it just like uninteresting. Yeah. Not much it's, more than that. I mean, it wasn't. It's hard. Yeah. It just wasn't. I just didn't find it very good. I remember that being like a big deal at the time. It like, was. You could not avoid the mummy in the in 99 to the early 2000s. It was everywhere. It was the special effects showcase. Big time. It was the that new dust? action adventure party. Mm-hmm. It was the thing. Yeah. It was your dad showing off the surround sound and picture on your big screen. It was, it was a big Your dad thing. did that too. Yeah. <laughs> they had that in common. Yeah, we have the Dude same dad. Yeah. <laughs> no, those movies were a huge deal, and mm. I thought it was going to be good. Like a few months ago, or whenever <laughs> it was, I didn't remember it. When Ryan and I watched N- the National Treasure movies, and I loved them both genuinely and ironically, I was like, okay, I know I've talked about this on the show before. Okay, mm-hmm. I want to watch more nerd action movies where it's like historical stuff, but the nerd gets to jump from one building over a cavern to another building and feel very tough. So I was like, I'm talking the mummy because I was thinking that they're going to be talking about ancient Egyptian history. I'm talking. They do. Right, they do. Um, I'm, I'm talking the Da Vinci Code movies. I'm talking the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I haven't gotten to any of the rest of them. The Mummy was the first one I hit on because of this show, and I don't have a whole lot of hope for the rest of my nerd action movies because Boy, The Mummy stinks. I, I can't believe you just cited the League of, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. As I've never seen it. <laughs> oh my God. I the- want nerds, but who get to like wield a sword. Right. Yeah, The Mummy with Brendan Fraser, the original 1999 one. Listen. Mm-hmm. I'm listening. I can't watch that movie without just feeling the desperate attempts to make it Indiana Jones. Yeah, that's completely what they were trying to do. I even have something about that in here. Um, it's just not good. It's like excruciating. It's it's very try hard to me. I appreciate that a lot of people really love it. Yeah. I just I it like it's it's just you know I hate this term now. It's so overused, but like so much of the humor in that movie in particular, it's really cringy. Yeah, it is cringy. You know? yeah. Um, Evie, he was a star though. Who's that? I, Brendan Fraser was a star. Yes. No, he's great in it. He I, I have to say. I kind of yeah. I hadn't seen him in a long time, like at his full power. And he yeah. is great. I was like, this guy's a real movie star. I completely agree. I think that he is really good in that movie. They do a really fun time jump with him where, you know, he is there at Imhotep's tomb and a bunch of spooky stuff happens. Three years later, he's been in jail all this time and mm-hmm. his hair's all grown out. He's looking like Encino I would Man. Say he looks like Encino Man. Yeah, but like he's got good smarm. Yes. He's got good Han Solo, Indiana Jones, sleaze bag, but you kind of like him. Yeah, totally. It's really the rest of the movie. Yes. It's it's the um it's the gag work. Evie is a librarian and she knocks over a bookcase and it turns into a domino effect that takes 5 minutes of watching each bookcase hit the next. It takes forever and then her boss is like, I don't know, I don't care how you're going to do it, but you have to clean this up and leave. And I was like, there's no way she can clean this up. What are you talking about? She can't lift all these bookcases, dude. <laughs> what do you mean? He also his like introduction to her boss is being like by the Pharaoh's voice. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is going to suck. <laughs> like, I was like, this writing is too on the nose. They're trying to mesh this guy with like 
I don't know. It, it, it really sucked. It stinks. Her brother Ugh. is introduced in a tomb. He drags a corpse. Yes. He's in a tomb with a mummy, with a corpse. Right. And he jostles it around like Chop Top in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yes, and she's like, I just want you to take this seriously, or whatever. Yeah, like, not like, ew, get out of there, you little freak. You creep. This <laughs> you is, creep. You're like ruining... This historical artifact. You're completely... And you're hugging a dead body. Yes, it's gross, but also you're ruining my life's work. Get out of here. It's not like you're just joking around. Cretinous little freak. Yeah. <laughs> so let me tell you guys the plot of the mummy and then what could have been. The, the okay. iterations that it went through to get here. Because there were some things that... There were a lot of misses to it being a horror movie rather than this action-adventure movie. So the deal is that Brendan Fraser, as we've mentioned, Rachel Weiss, her tiny eyebrows, and her dopey brother travel <laughs> to Egypt to wake up a mummy. Mm-hmm. Um, the deal is that in ancient Egypt, there's a high priest named Imhotep, who back in the day had a love affair with a mistress of a pharaoh whose name is Anxunamun, or Anaxinamun. Anaxinamun, thank you. There's like a small difference in the original mummy. I think it is Oxenamun. Mm-hmm. I think. And then in the That's the what Brennan it is Fraser, here. Yes, Anxunamun, right? They pronounce it very Anaxunamun okay. in those movies. Yeah. Okay. So the pharaoh catches them and Anxunamun tells Imhotep to run because she'll kill herself, but he'll be able to resurrect her as long as he gets out of there fine. Mm-hmm. So then Imhotep and his guards are able to grab her corpse and bring her to Hamunaptra, the city of the dead, and they're using this ritual to resurrect her and it's working until they're interrupted by the Pharaoh's bodyguards. So then all of Imhotep's guards are mummified alive, but the worst treatment is left for him. He is given the hom die, which is having your tongue cut out and then being buried alive with flesh eating scarabs in your tomb. Mm-hmm. So he's sealed into a sarcophagus and kept until uh, kept under watch by the guards to present to prevent a resurrection. Yeah, he's straight up given the same treatment as Meryl Streep in Hook. Meryl Streep isn't in Hook. Wait, <laughs> Wait wh- who are you Glenn thinking Glenn Close? Of? Is it Glenn Close? Wait, what? What are you thinking? Wait, <laughs> tell me the plot of what's happening in Hook that you're talking about. <laughs> Hook gets mad at someone on the boat and says that they have to be put in the boo box. And it, I think, is Glenn oh Close in God, a fake William, beard. Oh, my God, yes. Yes. <laughs> and she's put in the boo box and they put a bunch of scorpions in there with her. That's the Hom die. Oh my god. Captain Hook did it too. You're absolutely right. I completely Dusty forgot Hoffman. about that. It's so weird that Glenn closes in Hook for like one second. Yeah, that movie's bad too. No, Hook is good. <laughs> People are not gonna be happy with us for saying these things. No, Hook is these good. are unpopular opinions. Hook is good. Very unpopular. Hook is good. Yeah, um, I disagree entirely. <laughs> Hook is horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. I haven't seen Hook as an ad- not as a sober adult. So now I'm oh curious. I know I've watched it as an adult, but I was wasted, I think. And so I think I thought it was great, but maybe I'm wrong. Subject yourself to it. I would love to hear you okay. go through it. Yeah. yeah, I'll give that a shot. I'll never see it again. All right. I'll see if Ryan wants to watch with me. I feel like he's going to pass, but yeah. I'll give it a shot. Okay. Passive boredom. Yeah. Um, okay. So guess who happens upon Imhotep's tomb and accidentally frees him? Rachel Weiss and her eyebrows. She reads from the Book of the Dead out loud while they're in Egypt. 
It's an oops. Adventure ensues. Imhotep wakes up and brings the 10 plagues with him, but they're able to get out of it by reading the legendary book of Amun-Ra, which makes Imhotep mortal so that he can be killed. That is a short, short version of it. There's more to it than that. There's some fun stuff in it, I yeah. have to admit. I think the I think the overall work of the mummy, the 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 overall story, the goals, those things are all fun. Mm-hmm. I love seeing Imhotep as a walking dead thing yeah. that is, you know, taking eyeballs out of people's heads because he needs eyes. Right. He steals someone's tongue because he needs a tongue. He's sucking the life out of people to uh, revive his own body. And that stuff is all really fun and weird. There's evil dead stuff to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that that stuff is all a good time. And then there are a lot of action scenes where Brendan Fraser looks in the camera and goes, I can't stand mummies. It's <laughs> crazy. Like Steve says to Miranda in Sex in the City, there's good stuff here. And like Miranda back to Steve, I say, not enough. And oh, I wow. break up with the mummy. This movie sucks. Wow. That's a, wow. What a, what a, a lot of people were really charmed by that reference you just made, I bet. I hope so. I have a wide range of interests. Not enough. <laughs> they get back together. I will not be getting back together with the mummy. No. So here's what the... the what things the mummy went through before it got made. The original idea for a mummy revival was in 1992, Clive Barker, horror biggie wanted to make the movie. And his idea was for them to be violent horror movies about the head of an art museum. Who's actually part of a cult that's trying to reanimate mummies. Hell yeah. Oh my God. That's awesome. They were planning for a different afterlife, but now he's bringing them back into the real world. Yes. Isn't that sweet? That's very fun. So according to Universal execs, it was, quote, dark, sexual, and filled with mysticism. And it would have been a great low-budget movie, but it didn't work out. I think they wanted something more high-budget. They wanted kind of like a big blockbuster-y thing, and so they ended talks. Yeah, yeah. Next up for talks about a a mummy movie was the director, Joe Dante, who wanted a very weird mummy movie, be very different. He wanted Daniel Day-Lewis as a, quote, brooding mummy. And it was going to be a modern day story, more about reincarnation with love story elements to it. Again, they couldn't agree on budget. I think they wanted, I'm assuming just based on the previous talks, I think they wanted something big and kind of bombastic. And uh, a brooding Daniel Day-Lewis sounds kind of low budge to me. He wouldn't have survived the research. No. Oh, my God. Absolutely. <laughs> Going method as a mummy? Yeah. He can't do it. Maybe that's what dissolved all the talks. They were like, no, yeah, the- it's uh, it's budgetary problems. What is Daniel Day-Lewis being like, no. Mm. No. I draw the line. I can't do it. He, he did the mummy method. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now we need a new leading man. Yeah. <laughs> we lost him. Okay. Next up, Will. George Romero. Mm. Whoa. I had no idea... That so many different mummy horror things were on the table. I kind of just assumed that they were like, let's get an action movie going. Let's get an Indiana Jones ripoff going. And then kind of, uh, not really retrofitted, but they fitted the mummy story around it. But no, specifically a mummy remake 
was in the works and it ended up in this action movie place, but it started off in a classic universal horror sort of place. Wow. So here's what George Romero wanted to do with it. He had ideas for a zombie style horror movie and it sounds kind of nuts. He actually wrote a draft of the script in 1994. So like they went like, you know, decently far and it was set in the modern day and revolved around an archeologist named Helen who discovered the tomb of Imhotep and brought him to her lab to study him where he was accidentally awoken um, out of view of the researchers after they did an MRI of his corpse. Something about the rays or whatever woke him up. So he also, through this process, somehow regains his youth. He doesn't look mummy-like. And the movie is kind of a fish-out-of-water story where Imhotep has to make his way in modern society. So, so far, this does not sound horror-y, right? It's like, it sounds like Splash or something. Crocodile Dundee, but with a mummy. <laughs> right, right. Um, Crocodile mummy. Ah, crocodile mummy. Helen, the archaeologist, assumes that he must be from the Bureau of Antiquities. So I guess she like bumps into him in the hallway of the museum or something. And they begin kind of like a tentative romance during which she starts having flashbacks to a previous life in which she was the Egyptian princess Isis. Okay. So... <laughs> yeah, it seems like there are some echoes of of you know the the whole like previous life of the love interest thing, but a mummy meet cute. Yeah, right. Is this why George Romero didn't do much in the nineties? He was working on this. I, I he didn't go. I'm not sure. So there's more to it. Um, our friend Karis comes into the mix. So Imhotep uses an incantation to summon and awaken a loyal slave named Karis, who was taken to the museum at the same time as Imhotep. And when Karis wakes up, he is pissed. And now this is where the horror comes in. He escapes through the sewer system and he claims his revenge against both criminals and antiquities dealers who have stolen artifacts from his tomb. Hmm. So that's where it starts to get like zombie-y and crazy-ish, I guess. It was decided that Romero's script was too violent, so it never went ahead. Um, Other horror mainstays like Mick Garris and Wes Craven were also attached to the movie and left... And then wow. Stephen Summers, who was aware of the developments, he'd heard about the mummy being kind of bandied about, called the producers with his idea of the mummy as an adventure epic a la Indiana Jones, and they were into it. So he wrote and directed the movie. It's loosely based on the 1932 mummy and made it more action adventure based than horror based. And that's kind of how we got the mummy that we have. But they did add in more Egyptian lore than the original had, which is pretty sweet. The The Egyptian story stuff is cool. There, There's some good stuff there with, you know, I think in real life it would have been four uh, canopic jars, they're called, mm-hmm. that hold the organs. They made it five mm-hmm. in the in the Brendan Fraser movie. But so the mummy has is sort of like tracking down the people that have those jars to to take their organs. Right. So like they're, like some of that stuff, like I almost wish more of that sort of like oh, my tomb has been opened and here's what I'm going to do about it mm-hmm. was more uh, evident or more brought to the forefront. It's all of the comedy and, and all of the action and the the ambiguous love interest thing. It, is all, it all just kind of makes it really wishy-washy. Yeah, it's so the love interest thing is very lame to me too. Like Rachel Weiss can't get Brendan Fraser out of her head because he gave her like kind of a jokey kiss before he was going to go to the gallows. Like right. at one point she's brushing her hair and she's kind of staring off into space when she's trying to read a book and then she's like... Oh, silly girl it was just one kiss it doesn't mean anything and i was like why would that kiss mean anything to you that well, was like not romantic right. at all 
Here's why. It's because of the Willie Scott Indiana Jones, you yeah, know, know, love interest thing in the in the second movie. Right. There's a Temple of Doom and they wanted to replay that. There's like Indiana it's Jones a- attempts at cloning Indiana Jones all over this. Mm-hmm. And it's just like that was like lightning in a bottle yeah. and so much of it is like I don't know. There are measurements of the comedy in Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. It's not all hilarious. And in The Mummy, it is. Right. The Mummy has a lot of slapstick humor. Yes, it's, I would lot. say it's zany. He does the the Three Stooges eye bonk mm-hmm. to a mummy at one point. Mm-hmm. Man, in, in the third movie, in Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, there are yetis, and they throw a guy... And he goes in between two posts off in the distance. And then a mummy does the uh, the sort of like field goal. Oh, get out of here. That's crazy. I am not kidding. I, am not kidding. I think they, they like kick a mummy in the nuts in, in that movie. Like they're just like, oh, That's... like the attempts to like make me laugh while yeah. I'm supposed to enjoying the action. Like the action never feels real because it's all cartoon mm-hmm. and the cartoon stuff isn't funny weird and it all undercuts the horror yeah totally there's very little about that movie that is horror at all i would say it's just a straight up like action adventure movie but then there are some cool things like the book of the dead right yeah there's there's cool there's horror stuff there yeah. even as a special effects showcase like important step in special effects mm-hmm. the mummy also there's a cgi thing walking around all the time yes. that didn't age well yes so it's just it's just hard like i want i want scary mummy effects yeah totally in that thing yeah it's just rough so that was followed because it was a humongous hit by the mummy returns and in this movie there's just a lot more emphasis on warriors and fighting and it just doesn't sound interesting to me at all but the rock dwayne johnson appears in it as the scorpion king and then that spun off into a whole scorpion king universe where there was one scorpion king movie that hit theaters and then five sequels that were direct to video and the most recent was like 2018 yeah right the scorpion yeah. king really has a long legacy like it's a long tail and luke on patreon sent us a very funny nine second clip that i'm going to include in the, sh- in the show notes of really bad cgi and really weird like timing acting choice during a fight scene that I encourage you to go look up because it's unintentionally very funny. Excellent. Um, The first mummy movie was pretty well received and made a ton of money. And the second one was not generally very well received. Didn't make as much money. And there's a character in it named Izzy buttons. I learned from (laughs) Wikipedia. (laughs) Fantastic. So, (laughs) (laughs) now we jump ahead (laughs) sorry it's just like the fact that like it was listed like it was like you know important to note i just love the yeah that was great (laughs) it's pretty low on the call sheet but the name jumped out to me so izzy Izzy buttons (laughs) now we jump to (laughs) a movie that i did watch in its entirety and i was focused on it even though i can't say it was quality I still was, my eyes were right on the screen, unlike the 1999 version. The new Mummy, The Mummy, from 2017, starring Tom Cruise. The implication of what you just said. Yes. Is that you liked it better. I did. Than the Brendan Fraser movie. I did. This. I did like it better. Is going to be very puzzling to a lot of people out there. (laughs) 
it look, it wasn't good. I'm not going to say that at all, but I could focus on it. I watched it and I was locked into it. The Brendan Fraser movie, I'm like getting up to get a drink when I'm not thirsty. I'm looking at my phone. <laughs> I'm going to the bathroom even though I don't have to pee. I could not focus on that movie for the life of me. I found it so boring. And then when I could lock in on it, I was mostly just like annoyed. And it, <laughs> it like sometimes looked really high budget and sometimes looked really low budget. Like when yeah. they're on the boat, it looks like low budget as hell. It's so weird. But Tom Cruise mummy, I'm there. I'm watching. I'm only looking away to take notes. Copious wow. ones. That's a shocker. Again, I didn't like it. It wasn't good, but I was I was in it. I was watching it. All right. So this was supposed to be the kickoff to the new Universal Dark Universe. This is something that I really want to talk about in depth another time. And I've already written it down so we don't forget. This was supposed to be a connected revamp of the classic Universal Monsters with crossover similar to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, This movie... The Mummy basically tanked that entire idea and a bunch of movies that were slated to start production because it was extremely negatively reviewed, did really badly at the box office, and it lost the studio $95 million. Oh, my God. I know. To lose that money. To just have that money be gone now. Mm -hmm. That's gotta be rough. So here is the basic plot of the movie. Spoilers for this movie. I'm gonna... Top to bottom, spoil it, but quickly, not every single aspect of it. Tom Cruise is a U.S. soldier who accidentally frees the soul of a mummy named Princess Aminet, who gloms onto him and says that uh, he is her chosen one. She wants to send the spirit of her dead beloved, the deity Set, into him so that Set and she can now rule together. So in order to do that, she will need to stab Tom Cruise with the dagger of Set that has a ruby inlaid in it that houses Set's essence. Tom Cruise has a lot of flashbacks of visions of himself in the desert in Egypt with her. Um, So not in like kind of stuff that we talked about earlier. They find Aminette. Is that it? Do you remember it being Aminette? You know what? I I saw this movie in theaters. It left my mind very quickly. Uh, I was looking forward to it mm -hmm. against the grain. People were already complaining about it before it came out. Yeah. I was excited. I saw it. Don't remember anything about it. I watched a few YouTube clips. I have no idea how you pronounce that name. Fantastic. I think it's Aminette. They find Aminette's body and they fly it to London so it can be preserved and studied. But she's awake and she starts cursing people left and right. She's awake because Tom Cruise accidentally woke her up. Plus, she's feeding on people to regenerate. And she's basically just a zombie making machine. That's something that I find weird about this movie. Like, if you were to remove all context of it being a mummy movie, a lot of what she does, you're like, oh, these are zombies. They don't even look like mummies or anything. They just like look like reanimated walking corpses. It's sweet. And I don't know, you know, it's not bad or anything, but I'm just well, saying they're zombies. Is she creating spontaneous mummies, right? Yes, like back she to, is, is she is sort of a natural force that's just, you know, sucking all the the moisture yes. and essence out of the living. Yes. So those are sort of spontaneous mummies. That's part of the thing too, is that like if you look at like the 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 whole scope of what horror has ever been. Mm-hmm. Anytime something comes back from the dead, even including the mummy itself, like it's a zombie. Jason's yeah. a zombie. They're all zombies. I guess it's just that there's such a strong visual thing with zombies of, um, you know, like the strips of cloth around them or like a dustiness and dirtiness. These are just straight up 
just decomposed bodies basically they don't they don't mm. feel dry and crumbly to me interesting they they just are zombies just just something i thought was interesting okay william i don't know if you remember this from the movie but when i was watching it i was like excuse me what the soldiers are able to catch Aminet and they bring her to a specialist dr henry jekyll yeah I was, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. This was the start of a larger thing. But I was gobsmacked. I was like, what is Dr. Jekyll doing here? Who is yeah. the leader of a secret society that tracks and neutralizes supernatural threats. So the deal is, because Dr. Jekyll is, of course, a doctor, played by Russell Crowe, he's found a formula to stop his alter ego, Mr. Hyde, from taking over with that Cockney accent, and he has to inject himself all the time. Of course, over the course of his time in this movie, he misses his dose, and he hulks out on Tom Cruise, but eventually Tom Cruise is able to like inject him with the thing. And I feel like Russell Crowe's like... Yes, well done, old boy, or whatever. Like when he starts to come back to normal, I just could yeah. not believe it. It's it's crazy it's looking. That's one of the fit. scenes that I watched on YouTube. No, 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 no. The way that he even transforms, his face just turns a little gray, and he looks a little dirty. Okay, I said in my notes that he looks like Steven Weber in the Shining miniseries. Yeah, he does. You're right about that. Yes, a thousand percent. Mm -hmm. And he all of a sudden starts talking like this. Oh, well, I think we'll have some fun. Look. I'm like, hmm. I love seeing Uh, it. I don't think we will. (laughs) I was happy to see it. I had fun. I enjoyed it. But I was just like, what is he doing here? I understand wanting to start to like weave together things and maybe have like a secret guy that you know in there already that you didn't think was going to be there. But of all the fits, the mummy and Dr. Jekyll? I don't know. I mean, I get, you know, they do a fine enough job of explaining, I guess. They're like, oh, we're bringing Aminette to a doctor. Because often, you know, doctors and professors are people who kind of study mummies. So I kind of get it. But still, I just, I was like, whoa. You know what the funniest irony is in all of this? What? The mummy, the tomb of the dragon emperor, the third Brendan Fraser movie came out in late 2008. Mm -hmm. Several months earlier, Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. came out. They had no idea. Yeah. Brendan Fraser, they had no idea when they made that third Mummy movie that they were already dead. Yeah. And that there was like a new, like movies had been changed forever. Movies are new now. Yeah. It's completely true. Um, So, Aminette gets out of their control. There's fighting in action. And eventually Tom Cruise stabs himself with that dagger of set because... Aminette reminds him that if he gives himself over to that dark side and lets himself die, he can reverse death. And in the course of all this fighting, his archaeologist partner slash lover, Jenny, has been killed. So he's like, all right, I will kill myself because then I have the power to bring Jenny back. But because the ruby in the dagger was cracked in the fight, he's only half possessed by Set, so he can make some of his own choices, and he chooses to smooch Aminette, who thinks that he's acting as Set, but he actually leeches her life force in that smooch to give to Jenny so that she can live. So he knows that Dr. Jekyll's society is going to be after him now, so he flees. And that's where that, we end the movie. That's what happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I understood the end of that movie. Correct. That is what happened. Um, yeah. The the big thing about that movie is that the mummy mm-hmm. is Tom Cruise. Yes. He, at He's the end the of the mummy. is the mummy. And he is wearing, you know, like the, the there's like the iconic image of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Boris Karloff. Right. Being wrapped as the mummy and just his eyes are visible through the gauze, almost like the Invisible Man, honestly. Yeah. And the end of this movie is 
What? Okay. I've been thinking about the invisible man like all the time because do you feel like when you go out in public that you look like, like the invisible man because we're wearing masks and masks and sometimes sunglasses? I feel like a lot of times now if I have my sunglasses on, I look like I'm trying to be the invisible man because I- Oh you, my God. <laughs> I've been do, thinking about it like every day. <laughs> do we have access to like a beige overcoat and a and a brown fedora? I would. That would that How funny is that? <laughs> I've seen so many people like wearing like a Darth Vader mask online or something like that. I've never seen any anybody be like the mischievous 1930s invisible man. <laughs> That's fantastic. What a great getup. I wonder maybe, well, there's no way to get it. Mom might have something, but I seriously, like whenever I go outside, I've got a scarf on, a jean jacket, a mask, and my sunglasses. I'm like, I look like the invisible man. Oh my god! Or I'm spotting That's people who I think look the invisible man. Like it's like a, become a reoccurring joke with Ryan that I'm sure he's ah, sick of. Where I'm like, that guy so looks funny. like the invisible man. Should do the invisible man someday. I do love the Universal monster movies. Listen, as much as we're like sort of complaining about the Mummy, I really feel like there's an opportunity here. The Mummy has not been done right since 1932, mm-hmm. from what I can tell. That means we're coming up on a hundred years. Yeah, except and, they just did a movie of it in 2017, so it's too soon. Even though it wasn't done well, it's too soon, I think. Although maybe not. I don't know. I don't Isn't think, there something yeah. else that's getting a remake or was recently where it was like extremely close to the original? Yeah, I mean, they're I always remember. saying yeah. that now. There was like a five-year gap between Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man I Homecoming. I think that's what I'm thinking of, the rapid that was Spider-Man like a pretty, movies. Yeah, that was a pretty spotlighted, like quick turnaround on a reboot. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, if you started making the mummy today mm-hmm. you would not be done for two years yeah so right. that's five years yeah so, that's true you know uh 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 and you know uh, obviously lee wanell's invisible man just mm-hmm. did uh, incredibly well mm-hmm. low budget high concept yeah, yeah right uh low budget lower stakes very personal story how do you make a personal mummy movie you know like what what does that look like does it have to be set present day right um is that is that a a burden on the Tom Cruise mummy movie. All of this technology and science is that sort of, you know, does that not really have a place maybe in a mummy story? Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I I can see, you know, that the the best mummy movie has not yet been made. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, that feels uh, probably true. Yeah, I think that is true. So let me give you some quick hits of things that stood out to me about this movie from my notes. First of all, right off the bat, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. Because in the intro to the movie, Russell Crowe is doing kind of a voiceover that's explaining some things to us, laying a little groundwork. And he says, the past cannot remain buried forever twice in the opening. Number one, (laughs) that's not true. It could, conceivably. Number two. I think that the second time was supposed to be a dramatic callback to the first time he said it. You know, like, yes. After so the all. past can't remain right. buried forever. But he doesn't say that it that way. He doesn't read it that way. So it just sounds like he said the same phrase twice by accident. Excellent. Um, at one point, this is supposed to be stupid, but I was like, oh, my God. Um, a guy starts shooting a machine gun inside a cave at spiders. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're talking about you know, there's starting to be weird things going on in the, in everyday life or like extreme bad things like plane crashes and stuff after they, uh, unleash the mummy's tomb. And Jenny, the archeologist says, I'm sorry, Nick, but I think we've, we've angered the gods. Like kind of like that kind of casually not being like, okay, I know this sounds crazy, but listen to me. I think that we may have woken something angered. She's like, I'm sorry. I think we've angered the gods. Huh? It feels like we angered the gods in here. Huh? It's very weird. And then 
later in that same scene, um, after Tom Cruise has had a hallucination or a vision of like rats crawling all over him and like all this crazy yeah. stuff, he says to her, you're right. We've angered the gods. Like oh. nobody is that weirded out by this. Yeah. It's just kind of accepted. Like, yep, you're right. This happened. Um, the mummy gets him at one point. She kind of like pins him down to a table with some of her henchmen and she's going to stab him with the dagger of set and she tickles him on the way and he laughs because she's running her hands all over his like Tom Cruise body and tickles him and he laughs. Then Jenny, the archaeologist walks in and she, when she, when she walks in, there's like a lot of weird like Look, I'm no actor or acting coach, but weird line readings to me. She walks in and you would think that if he were to yell the name Jenny, you might expect that him being being like, Jenny, like run. Urgency. Yes. But instead he goes, Jenny, like, what are you doing here? It was so weird. Oh. At one point, the mummy punches him fully into the sky. He <laughs> flies into the sky. Um, <laughs> during the climax scene where she thinks that she has, you know, Seth's body is now in Tom Cruise and they're going to rule together. She realized that it's not the case that he's kind of fighting set basically. And so she starts choking Tom Cruise. And during this, he says, I'm sorry, it's just never going to happen. And it's not me. It's you. Mm. And I was just like, what? movie is this what is the tone of this movie it's yeah that's the that's the cool you know action hero line before he kills the villain but it doesn't but it's like jokey it's not even a cool action hero line it's like a joke and it doesn't feel like that kind of movie well in this movie he's supposed to be almost like this like quippy mercenary grave robber kind of guy right yeah but there's not which is against the tom cruise type Yes. Also, I was surprised that he let there be a joke in there just because he so closely guards his image. And I feel like he does it even when it's about a fictional character. There was a joke about him not lasting long during sex with the archaeologist lady. She was like, yeah, it was a great 15 seconds or whatever. And he's like, hey, and just I don't know. I I was just surprised that he let that even be associated with his brand. That's interesting. Um, So during the fight scene where he says that they also have him kind of bruised up, which you know, I guess would be realistic, not just bruised, swollen from the bruises, which I guess you would be. I guess they're like, yeah, if he was thrown that hard, he would swell up right away. But I feel like he just kind of looks like Hitch after he ate shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he just ate shrimp. Maybe he just ate some shrimp real quick. He they are like by Hitch. water. He looks like Hitch after he ate shrimp. Yes. <laughs> That's incredible. And um, uh, just... Three last things. An observation. Now that he's the mummy, he also has kind of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde vibe to him himself because he's his good guy, Tom Cruise guy in there, but also he has a little bit of set in there. So he's going to have to keep fighting that off. So there is a little bit of a parallel there. If that's intentional, it makes sense. It's still very weird to me that Dr. Jekyll is in this, but I see that parallel. And then Ryan took my phone and made a couple of notes for me in here that I wasn't <laughs> oh, expecting. Great. Just two things. I looked at my notes and written here, it says Tom Cruise does it again. <laughs> and then these aren't your typical mommies. <laughs> oh, very good. So I will leave you with that. <laughs> now, Happy I, oh, Mother's these Day. These aren't typical mommies. These are your typical mommies. Happy Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, that Tom Cruise mummy movie. Listen, nobody wanted to to like it, so I I went in hoping 
that it would be uh, better than what people were, were thinking. I'd be happy to I, like it. I liked, you know, the trailer embarrassingly was released at one point without all the effects in it. Oh, did you did you see or hear that? Yeah, yeah, I forgot about it, but I know what you're talking about. Just footage of Tom Cruise rolling around in the back of a helicopter with the same yell. Yeah. <laughs> Just unfinished. Um, but also in that same trailer, like he dies and wakes up on a slab with a toe tag and a body bag. Oh, and I was like, yeah. This stuff, that's kind of fun. Yeah, that's that part was scary. Cool. Also, that's scary. I, I, was that the most nude we've ever seen Tom Cruise? I feel like he was pushing his envelope a little bit in this movie. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah, I think he tried a few things that were outside of his comfort zone, yeah. and it just didn't go well. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. That guy's but, um, he's a movie star, though. I'll give him that. Yeah. That's probably partially why I was locked in on it. Tommy Cruise right. draws the eye. Uh, a bunch of similarities across these modern mummy movies. Mm-hmm. One, all of them have some element of terrible looking fluid effects. Yes. Um, there are uh, a lot of goo monsters in the first two mummy movies <laughs> for some reason. Then in the third mummy movie, they like control water and stuff. It just always looks bad. Yeah. It just always looks bad. Um, then in the Tom Cruise mummy movie, there's mercury. She's buried in mercury yes. and she vomits mercury at one point. And it looks like it did in 1999. <laughs> just kind of. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't look great. Liquid just kind of happens places. I don't know. It kind of reminded me of the um, adamantium in uh, X2. X-Men yeah, you're United. right about it. Totally. Um, the other big similarity, all the way back to 1932 with Boris Karloff, all of these mummy movies are about mummies where something else um, uh, sets them Has apart. Has awoken them? Oh, okay. No, no, no. Like, like Imhotep was uh, uh, mummified, but not in the sort of respectful, organs removed kind of way. He was buried um, uh, in, in the Brendan Fraser movie. They referred to him as being juicy. He's not desiccated and stuff. There's something different about him. The way that he was uh, mummified actually is more of a curse than uh, preparing the body for the afterlife. And that goes back to Boris Karloff, who still had his organs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, um, he sought immortality, and this ancient witch actually cursed him. And it caused his body to be encased in clay. So they actually use the Chinese terracotta armies. Like I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with that terracotta, like those soldiers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's like a real thing. They were found in a tomb in China, and then they use that in that mummy movie to say that those are actual like his soldiers that were encased. Yeah. Uh, and then brought back to life. And then in the Tom Cruise mummy movie, she's kind of a an ancient witch right. in a way who's buried in mercury. So I think they're doing everything they can to sidestep the fact that, you know, the real life mummy story is that uh, ancient cultures prepared their dead for the afterlife, and then modern archaeologists said, "Oh, uh, they're ours now," and put them in museums and like dug up the tombs and everything. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that story is a, like an appropriation story in a way. Yeah, it's not uh, a fun story if you if you tell it the way that it actually is. Exactly. And so also, they always did something in the movies to say that the villainous mummy was a villain in life as well, right. which I think is kind of right. Right, because otherwise, you don't have to feel bad if that's the case. Yeah, it's the best you can do. It's not just like, boy, look how scary mummies are. Mm -hmm. It's like, this was a bad guy who's back now. Exactly. Also, the whole process of mummification and what's included in the sarcophagi and everything, it's nice. So you're going to have to make it a bad guy to make it scary. Like The idea behind it is nice, that you're preparing them for death and letting them take their things with them. Mm -hmm. So you got to scary it up somehow, and it's probably going to be a bad guy. Yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah totally. 
Well, fun. I think we've done justice to the mummy. I think so, too. I think that we can you probably know? close the sarcophagus door on this subject now. Unless they come I out with another so. m- mummy movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have to see. I do wonder... You know, even though I feel The Invisible Man was a great sort of uh, standalone, oh, I'm yeah. also hearing rumors of of uh, more to tie into it. That's why I want to talk about it. I, I just did some side research, not for the show today, just for my own interest. And there's stuff happening. I would love to There's stuff burbling. But for now, yes. I think we're at the end of this week's episode of Guide to the Unknown. That's right. So thank you all so much for hanging out with us. And uh, happy upcoming Mother's Day yes. to all the mummies out there. Um, we really appreciate you all coming around to hang out with us and hear some spooky stories. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider going to Apple Podcasts to leave us a, a positive review to help increase our reputation and tell the world uh, what we're up to here. You can also leave reviews for us on Stitcher, Facebook, and on Podchaser. All of these links are in the show notes for this very episode. The party doesn't have to end here, by the way. If you go over to patreon.com slash pod and you sign up to be a netherworld warrior starting at $4 a month, you can get access to a bunch, addition, a bunch of additional shows. We've got an entire Patreon podcast that nobody else on the planet can hear called the Netherworld Dispatch, along with a bunch of other things that we put up there. Like Kristen said at the top of this episode, we did an entire planning live stream with our backers to cover, hey, what are we going to do for the month of May on the show? You can go watch that now to get a sneak peek of what comes next for us. Um, you can also go to facebook.com slash groups slash pod to talk with other people who watch and listen to this show. Talk back to us. Um, follow at GTTU pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to keep up to date with any new releases or anything else going on in the world of guide to the unknown. And Hey, while you're at it, you can also talk to us individually online. That's right. I'm at chillin Kristen on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And I am the myth traveler. So thank you all so much for hanging out with us. We will see you again next week where we will unearth more ancient tales. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. And there's a character in it named Izzy Buttons, I learned from (laughs) Wikipedia.